how has hip-hop prepared you for fatherhood? On one hand, it gave me the wrong values on what to look for in a partner. So it fucked my fatherhood up because it fucked me up with a co-parent. All right, first you got thing, kids? I do. How many kids? Three sons. How old are they? They're 19, two, he'll be 20 at the end of the week, 16, 13. What is it like for you to still be so young with children that are adults? To answer your question, first and foremost, thank you so much uh -huh. for asking that question because it's definitely something that I battle with. I love the fact that, you know, my wife and I started young and that I am young enough to enjoy my sons um, in a way that I feel like you can only when you're tapped into, you know, the, the, the cultures, the world, the, the things that they're, you know, involved with. I remember this, there was a huge separation between my father and I, and he was 20 when he had me. So it shouldn't have been that far off, but I felt like we were so not in the same generation. It felt so, um, I love being a young father, especially like my son will be 20 at mm. the end of the week. And, you know, the relationship that we have is so dope because he can hit me and we can talk about music or movies or books or something like that. Or, you know, he's on his spiritual journey now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I remember being his age, trying to figure out what my path was. And so, you know, I'm young enough to remember being his age and what I went through. It's not like a far stretch for me to kind of think of, you know, what was going on at that time. So it's a blessing that, you know, I had him. And then my wife and I were talking the other day. We're maybe four or five years from being empty nesters, potentially, mm -hmm. if, you know, my son, my youngest son decides that he's going to go away to college or whatever he's going to do. It's going to be an interesting time to be 46, 47 and it's just me and her again. Mm. Like, that's that's going to be a mm. wild experience. You know what I'm saying? But then let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. You don't think that young people have a need? I mean, because you're talking about what's dope for you about it. Do you believe that young people have a need for their parents to be out of their generation so that they can fully grow? So, you know, one mm. of the issues with rap music may be that this is the first time ever that parents and children like the same music so when somebody was listening to blues the other ones was on their soul right, right. when somebody was listening to That's elvis brilliant. the other ones was listening to classical this is the first time that we're listening to the same genre of music and not making space or having to figure out how to make space right in in, in the same timeline so we're trying to make space in the same time loop kind of right so so do you think that it it how do you think it affects our children you know that they're like damn i can't really grow into an adult because my parent is is like a sibling to mm -hmm. me no that's a great that's a brilliant question man and i feel like you know if i if if i'm ever asked to describe my dynamic i feel like with my sons they are they they little homies and i'm big yeah. homie you know what i'm saying but uh, to your question, I definitely give them space to explore. You know, so my older two sons are in a, a rock like alternative band. 
and I'm a rap dad. Like, <laughs> hip-hop is everything yeah, to yeah. me. You know what I'm saying? So, growing up, they had the space to explore their musical tastes, and that's mm. where, you know, they decided, you know, to land. And now my youngest son, you know, he's on the Griselda train. Mm. And I'm like, oh, okay, now we can link yeah, and connect yeah, on that yeah, yeah. on that lane. But um, my pop is, is Puerto Rican, and he was a super big hip-hop fan. But the, the music that dominated... Our, our car and our home was was salsa and merengue so there was that there was that disconnect where that's pop's music yeah. and this is my music you know my mom was listening to soul music so you know i wasn't really in that vibe either so i can definitely feel like sometimes i'm playing in my own mm. sandbox and what i got from that but one of my favorite moments growing up was um I'll never forget this day. I was probably in eighth grade and I was coming into the crib as my father was leaving. He used to work the late shift. So it's like three o'clock in the afternoon. He's going to work. I'm coming in from school. He stops me at the steps. He's like upstairs under your pillow. There's an album. You didn't get it from me. If your mom catches you listening to it, I didn't give it to you. And then he went on to work. You love that. It was you love it that, was Wu Tang Thirty Six Chambers. Shut up, bro! Stop and that playing, was, bro! Come on! That's how you was introduced. That to was that? how I was introduced to Wu, bro. Now think about this, bro. How many people from our generation were introduced to hip hop from their parents? Right. Think about what kind of gift that was. Come on! And maybe man. I'm maybe I'm answering my own question to you that we can give our kids mm-hmm. the gift. Of hip hop, yes. Ah, oh, that's yeah, beautiful. bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a you know, it's it's interesting when I talk to people, you know, not a particularly from rap dads and about fatherhood, but just when I'm talking to artists, and oftentimes they're introduced by an older sibling or older cousin or someone you know like Ex- that. Exactly. But they have that like guided journey. It's like, oh, this person was listening to this, and then they found out that I liked hip hop, and they would start feeding me things. That that's kind of the relationship that I had with my sons at first. Mm-hmm. And then they started, you know, listening to the Mars Volta. Venturing from that. Yeah. But all they did was pivot from what you, the seeds you planted yes. into something that was even more, you know, and, and that's what I think in hip hop, our generation complains about are the misguided youth. Mm-hmm. What we really be, when we complain, we're really complaining about the ones that didn't have parents to introduce them to Wu Tang. There it is. That didn't have uncles and siblings to introduce them to a uh, 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 black star. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Or brand Nubians, or the things that create the things that grew our character in, yes. the, in the music. And so when we see this kind of uh, static vibration in hip hop from the youth, it's because we see the lack of training. Mm-hmm. Oh man, we just figured Ooh, out the damn thing. There it bro. is. There it is. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, man. Yeah. I love it. I love where where this conversation is headed because it it's a, a theme, part of a theme that I wanted to discuss with you. One of the the things that you said um, about hip hop that it taught you was it taught you to have thick skin because um, of the battle circuit. Mm. When you would take an L. You, you know, you had to have a tough enough skin to own that, to own it, to go sharpen your skills and then come back to, you know, to the battle. How has hip hop prepared you for fatherhood? Mm. 
You know, I think when we talk about hip hop, we have to talk about it in its duality. Where, on one hand, it gave me the wrong values on what to look for in a partner. So it fucked my fatherhood up because it fucked me up with a co-parent. Because mm. I'm looking for a big booty tennis shoe boot. And then when you get that, that's what you got. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And that's right. what your daughter going to be. And that's mm. what your... And that's the mentality. No matter how much you may grow and mature, that's Talk what... about it. That's reflecting. That's what you're reflecting. <laughs> On another hand, it taught me how to think. It taught me empathy, compassion, how to... How to rise above you know what i mean so when we talk about what what is hip-hop giving me as a father is giving me the good and the bad it's mm. it's where i'm like damn i shouldn't have talked to him like that and yelled at him like that and came at him like that but okay this is how you come back in the battle Mm, wow <laughs> you know it's the I'm ultimate saying? battle it's the ultimate battle and it, it was self Yes. And, and, and not only with self, with future self. Because when you're talking to your children, you're looking at yourself in the future. Mm. And, and that future self is talking back and battling back and got bars yes. of their own for yes. you. You know what I'm saying? Oh like, my God. So, so, you know, how hip hop has prepared me, it prepared me to go into battle. Mm -hmm. The child is teaching me the rest. There it is. The children yes. are teaching me the rest. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's and ill. And it's a life journey. Word. Yeah. That's ill. Yeah, one of my one of my uh one of my favorite quotes from from my pop was that he would always say this and I didn't understand it until I had kids. He would say, you know, you guys are raising me just as much as I'm raising you. Mm -hmm. And I'm like I don't understand that because mm -hmm. you're, you know, I'm taking your guidance. What you mean? I'm raising you. But I understand that now, mm -hmm. now that I look in the mirror of fatherhood and I see this child, that is me reflecting back at me. And I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. It's you reflecting back at you. Yeah. That's what your child is. That's it. It's you in the future. You know? Man. And you, through how we raise, through how we relate to these children, we get to determine what the future looks like, mm. you know? Yes. Through how, and, and you know, man, one of the things I'm learning with kids, they're, they're not going to put out anything you didn't put into them. Ooh. They're not going to be nothing. You, you ain't who you thought you was. You who you taught you was. Mm. So if you didn't teach them, they're they not going to be. There it is. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, For sure. You know, that's part of what this project, James and Nikki, you know, th this project I just came out with mm -hmm. was the first time I ever felt like I invested into the future of others. Wow. Musically. Before it was like, oh, man, I hope I give you something that's like when you're going through something in life, you know, this experience, you, you playing brand new when you got your brand new car. Right, right, right. You know right, what I'm right, saying? Right. Yes. You got a brand new relationship. Yes. I got my brand new bitch, you know, you know, or, you know, man, I, 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 I pray, you know, when we're young, when you're young mm -hmm. and you're supposed to be selfish. Your writing is selfish. Your music is selfish. Your desires are selfish. Your cravings are selfish when you're young. 
as you get older, you start to understand. James Baldwin says on this project, there is no, there is a such thing as a living word. Every word you say mm. is a, is you're responsible for the actions produced by that word. Mm. You're responsible for the actions produced by the word you gave. So if somebody goes off your word and go shoot somebody, get the wrong woman, y'all wasn't even supposed to be in a relationship, uh, whatever you do off the word or something, that other person who gave you that word is responsible for your actions too. Man. You know what I'm saying? So with that in mind, when I heard that, when I heard James Baldwin say that, I said, I couldn't have said it better than him. Let me use him. Hmm. And build off his word. Word. Other word, word. Like, you know what I'm saying? And so, like, you know, right now, this is the first time in hip-hop. I'm like, yo, my words have to invest in future actions of others. Man. I'm responsible for their actions with this word. It's ill that you say that because, I mean, the, the when you said that, the first thing that jumped into my mind was Jesus Walks. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. I don't know if intentionally you realized that that record would have such a humongous impact. But obviously, now that you said it, that wasn't something that you were projecting that would have future intentionally. Right. Or or even or even glory. So when Common and I like right now, I'm seeing glory being used at graduations. I'm seeing it being used as the new national black anthem. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I'm like, whoa. But but it, it also, so when I look at a Jesus Walks and when I look at a glory, I'm like, okay, this is the roadmap for where my gift is guiding me. Mm. Why would I do anything else? Come on, man. <laughs> you know what I That's mean? It. Why would I chase anything else? Bro, don't you know everything I ever chased ran from me? That's why it's a chase. That's why it's a <laughs> chase, bro. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and so, man. you know, I'm I'm just looking at things now like, you know, don't pimp your gift. When you pimp your gift, it gets a bad odor. Um, when you pimp your gift and it and it and it loses its elasticity, mm, then right. you'll throw it away because you'll think it wasn't no good, no way, don't nobody want it. And then you threw away half of your soul because you tried to pimp it to death. You know My what I'm saying? Goodness. So so I'm in a thing now of don't pimp your gift, use your gift to to enlighten your a purpose. And so I'm starting to see through the gift and how the gift has delivered back mm. what the purpose is. Keep using your gift. And that's what um through words when you talk about our, our children, that's what I try to teach my children. Don't pimp your gift. So, so for instance, I got a, a 13-year-old daughter. Now, my daughter is cold at, like, making masks. She 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 makes costumes. Okay. So, she makes, like, masks, and behind the mask is a mask, and you can, you can do this, or you can do this, and it's, like, four different masks wow. that you got on your head, and you can see through all of them, but she makes these, like, 4D masks. And I said, yo, like, when I started seeing my hot cold 13, like, doing these masks... And I'm like, yo, you could win an Oscar for that. You could do mm-hmm. this. You could, mm-hmm. And I start giving her all the stuff she could do with this. And she said, no. Nah. She said, you sell your gift. I don't sell this. What? 
She said, she said, I want to be, and she named some other career. Oh, wow. I want to be a teacher. I want to be, right. you know, a botanist. I, I make wow. masks because I love them. I love making masks. I don't sell them. Mm. Bro, tears start streaming down my face. At that point, my daughter was everything I wished I was. She was me in the future. As the future me, I wish I could be. Yo. You know, you know what I'm yo, saying, bro? That's so ill because one of the things that, that, that you said that, like, damn near ruined my life. You said <laughs> something to this effect where you were like, you shouldn't be making money off your gift or you shouldn't be selling your gift. Or no, I didn't say that. that. I said you shouldn't pimp it. No, a this was this was a different interview. I wish oh, okay. I could remember I'll, I'll, the, the I'll right way. Because yeah. you, you were talking about, yeah. um, or something to the effect of like when you start oh. to, when you start to 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 like industrialize your gift, mm -hmm. or like when mm -hmm. it becomes something that you productize and you start selling it, it like ruins it ruins it for you mm -hmm. because then you're you're not it's not coming from a pure place. Mm -hmm. It's coming from a place of how do I monetize this or how do mm -hmm. I, you know what I mean? And then I started thinking about a, a, that. An authentic desire. There it is. A disingenuous craving. Yeah. A thing that you see, you start, and, and you know what you start doing when you start selling your gift? You start comparing it. You start comparing That's it. The, and comparison is the killer of creativity. Yes. Yeah, man. And once you start comparing your gift, bro. You're not competing with yourself. You're not loving yourself. You're like, you're in the marketplace. Right, right, yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're in the marketplace. Yeah. We got to be, y'all, but you know what that's taught me all of that all over these years? You can do it, but there's a certain way. Number one, be gentle with yourself. Be very gentle with yourself. Don't be so hard on yourself. Be subtle. Number two, Produce so much that you producing for you, but you got enough left over for the marketplace. Mm. A lot of times we're producing at level of market. Right. Go home and you too tired to exercise your gift. So let's say you rap, right? Are you making songs that you just deliver through email to your family? Like, oh, this was a song for you, Auntie, as a Christmas gift. This is a song for you, Uncle Such and right. Such. Oh, I just made it. I just make songs like right, you right. know James Baldwin, his mom, for gifts. She used to write people uh, little lessons that she learned in life, and then she would put it in a nice frame, package it, and give it away as a gift. Wow. She wasn't trying to sell a poetry book, right? But where you think James Baldwin got it from? That's why he could go into the marketplace. He had enough left over for the marketplace from what mom gave him at Man. home. He wrote because he loved it. Right. A lot of times we stop loving what we do. Ooh, I'm gonna tell you something. Jazzy Jeff told me. Talk, please. We was in. We was in. And, and don't let me ramble, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Jazzy Jeff, we was in Japan, and he wanted to record while we were on the road. We were on a world tour, and I wasn't. It was a space where I wasn't really writing. Uh, a lot of raps and and I was like man I'm tired we're going from city to city day to day and one day we were out he said hey I always and Jazzy Jeff is a guru he said I always know when somebody finna quit <laughs> 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 
And you got to think, he's been doing this since the... Oh, come on. Teenager. 70, yeah. right? He's like, I know when somebody finna quit. Wow. And he act like he ain't talking to you. Mm. And I said, how you know when somebody finna quit? He said, the first thing they lose is love. Wow. They stop loving to do it. And then it's getting ready to go. That's it. Oh, my goodness. And that's, that's it. And that's what I give my children. When I see something they love to do and I see them calm down on doing it, I'm like, oh, they finna quit. Mm-hmm. So how do you? I was taught that. How do you? How do you like? Flex? You intercept it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, and you don't tell them anything. You ask questions. Okay, that's a bar. You, ask you don't questions. tell them. Yeah. Don't tell them nothing. Just ask questions. Hey, you still like playing football? Right. And let them tell you the answer, and move from that, not from what your desire for them is. Word. That's crazy. that's how I work on it. That's a bar, man. My God. I want to, first of all, let's lay it out. Uh, how many kids you have, ages, things like that? I have a 25-year-old. I have a 16-year-old. And I have a 14-year-old. Okay. Two girls and a boy. The boy is the oldest. The 14-year-old is the youngest girl. And the 16-year-old is the middle. Okay. And I want to take it back to... But I got a lot of kids, though. Cause talk about those it. those are... Man, I just told you the biological children. Right. I got a lot of children. Okay. You know, I go to I go to Africa, and I, I support schools in Tanzania and Arusha. And, you know, the people who run the schools are young people that become my children. Mm. I got... I've been mentoring... Uh, through our organization, Art of Culture, that used to be Donda's house. And I got young people through my mentorship that stuck with, have stuck with me for the last 13 years. And, and, and they'll say, man, you call me little brother, little sister. I'm your son. Wow. Why you don't acknowledge me as your son? Wow. I got a young man right now, bro. The guy that's on my single creator. His father, when I was growing up, Tom Tom, his father was one of the bigger kids on the block that looked out for us. He would beatbox and I rap and all that stuff. And he had a son named Terrell. And Terrell was on the wrestling team with my son, with my biological son. And me and Terrell started hanging out and Terrell was estranged from his father and I didn't know because his father and the mama was going through things and I would take Terrell and I would say, man, when I was growing up and I would tell him about his dad mm. and he'd be like, really, man, is that who my dad is? is wow. That, oh, uh, uh. And then me and Terrell, I say, Terrell, you sing, come get on this, come get on this. And we just do music. And today Terrell is like, you my father. I remember talking to Minister Ishmael Muhammad at Mas Maryam, the Nation of Islam, and his father is the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Mm. That's his biological father. But if you ask him who his father is, he'll say Minister Farrakhan because he saved me and my mama. Wow. You know, like, so I think sometimes when we, I, I don't want to get caught up in when you ask me about my children, mm -hmm. just saying the ones that I have that are biological. We got to claim all our children. Man, I probably got about 15 kids. Wow. Like, and, and when I say that, I mean young people 
that I regularly check on, that regularly check on me, that got keys to my house, that are welcome at the dinner table, that we look to each other for village and family. We we grow each other. This ain't just mentorship. Right. Mentorship, you clock in, maybe you clock out. I'm talking about young, I got young people, man, that like, I got young people that are closer to me than my blood children. And so my biological children that that I feel love me more mm. than my biological children understand me more and and take more of what I got to offer than my biological children. And, and, and for me to not name them as my children right. would be doing a disservice. Man, I got a lot of children. Yeah, man. I mean, I love that. I love that perspective. And I love, you know, you making it known in plain statement that fatherhood extends beyond the mm -hmm. biological. It's obvious for us to think what you are pouring into and giving these children, but what are they giving you? Mm. When the, the best gift that my children give me is when I see the seeds I planted grow into fruits. When I see them take the gift of advice the gift of, you know, I bought my one of my sons, I, I bought him a car because he said, hey, man, he said, Dad, I need a car because I'm about to move to Texas and just start all over. I got to get out of Chicago. And I didn't know that he was going to. I thought he was going to take the car, just whatever. <laughs> he took the car, moved to Texas, and he's he's building a great life for himself right now. When I see that, you know what I'm yes. saying? When, when I see when I see my personality revisit me through them, when I see my advice that I gave them come back to me in my time of need, right. but they remembered that from seven years ago, and now they telling that to me like, hey, man, get up. Come on. Wow. Don't lay down too long. Right. You rolling backwards. When I see them say things to me that I'm like, oh, man, you, you converted my knowledge into wisdom. Mm -hmm. That's all we need. You know what I'm saying? Bro, what are they giving to me? Yeah. Bro, they making me it 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 helps me know that like generational wealth ain't money. Generational wealth ain't property. Ain't no man that I ever met that said he wanted to leave generational wealth for his kids and and looked at it in terms of material. I never met a man that died that left that. I never that's selfishness. A lot of times when people are talking about, man, generational wealth for our kids and what are your credit score? Bro, you being selfish in the name of your kids. Mm. That's what you want. Real generational wealth is information. Real generational wealth is love and empathy. Did you give, did you pass down moral compassion? Mm. Did you pass down information? Right. Did you, your kids don't want your house. That's a burden. Wow. Your that kid, part. that was your dream. Right. Your dream was the business that I'm going to build the business. You're doing that to be selfish and you putting your kid's name on it. They don't want that business. Mm. They want to know how to build their own business. There it is. So, you know, when, when I see that my children understand principles, moral compassion, justice for all, love, empathy how to how to not not the relationships i'm going to give you how to create a relationship 
That part. How to keep a relationship. Mm-hmm. How to how to maintain a village. When they know that, you'll see it because it'll be in the way they treat you. There it That's is. generational wealth. That's a fact. That breaks curses. Word. Oh my God. Keep the money. Keep the five hundred one c three. Keep right. the keep the real estate. Keep the. I get it. It's enough people out there doing real estate. It's enough. You, you leave your kid. Yo, it just it gives me chills because it disturbs me how we think that money is the replacement for training and love. We 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 we're buying into the enemy's message of of wealth. That's a fact. And we giving it to our children. But these children, I see a difference in Z. I ain't even saying millennials. Right, right, right. I see a difference in Z. Z is different. Mm-hmm. Z don't want it. I, yep. <laughs> Z don't I want agree. it, bro. Yes. Z don't want yes. it. Yes. You know who Z remind me of? Who? Our grandparents. Mm. I'm seeing the circle. I'm seeing how, like... <laughs> You know, I'm seeing the Z. Oh, you remind me of my grandmama, my granddaddy. Wow. Ooh, millennial, you remind me of my mama and my daddy. <laughs> and I know how to love both. Right. But I know they both different. Very. Because my mama and daddy era was crack era. Mm-hmm. My mama and daddy era was, no, that was heroin. We was crack era. You know, that was yes. heroin era. Was, you know, it was a different type of thing yes. going on. It, it was also black power. So when you see millennial, of course you see black life matter. I mean, I'm seeing how the circle of generations is happening. You know what I'm saying? But Z is different. Because right. Z got that love grandmama had. The best kind. The best kind. That unconditional Ooh, understanding. Man. And X is the bridge. My goodness. We the bridge. Yes. Ooh. We analog and technology. Facts. I love that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So we got to keep being the bridge. We got to be a better bridge. Where X went wrong was we got caught up in the material of it all. The money. We was the first ones to be like, boy, we got this million dollar deal. Boy, right, right, we right, can right. take it to the next level. Jordan balling. Boy, we, we, we was the puffy. We was the like, yes. we were the moguls. We were the first ones to take it from the black middle class to the mogul. Mm-hmm. We have to bring it back down with a little compassion, realize that we are the bridge. We were able to do the mogul thing because we were able to take grandma and mom and daddy put it together and turn it into an empire. Yes. I think what we have to do now is bring the empire down a little bit and create the bridge for mama and daddy through child grandchild. Mm. If if I, I man I saw I was in Peru and a shaman told me. He said there's a saying in their tribe that you decide where you're going to be born and who you're going to be born to before mm-hmm. you get here. And if you understood the science of it, you could heal your family seven generations forward, seven generations backward. I took that to heart and start working on it. My goodness. I've often heard that first part of you, you know, you, I grew up as a, as a yogi studying Hinduism and it was like based on your karmic you know, energy, you get to pick mm-hmm. how you come back, who you come back through, you know, and things like that. But the healing of seven generations forward and back, that part I didn't hear. But I because to you hear chose that. it. What, like, and then you would say, why would I choose to be born to this one yes. and that one? Yes. It's because you saw that 
they needed something mm. this way and that way. And you were the one. Think out of millions of sperm cells, you were the only one to penetrate the egg for a reason. Right. You can't you now you forgot when you got here, but if you can just be subtle, quiet, and let that whisper speak to you, you can start healing your family. Man. My goodness. I believe that. I've been working on it. Yeah, I've, I've, I've noticed that too. And that, that takes me to, uh, another part of this conversation. I love to, to, to talk about your relationship with your father. And I know, you know, it's been a journey for you. It, you, you, you turned it into a film project. Um, but talk about that dynamic of your relationship with your father early on and then the relationship that you developed as an adult. So, Early on with my father, it wasn't much of a relationship. My mother got pregnant as a young girl. I think my father was 19. My mom was about 15, 16. And my father was spotty in and out. Not enough that I could really know who he was. My mom used to drive me past the house he grew up in with his grandma and say, your dad grew up right there. As a kid, I had this thing in my head. Every time she did that and drove me past the house and say, your dad grew up right there. In my mind, I said, I'm going to buy that house when I grow up. I'm going to buy that. That's my inheritance. I'm going to take it. Fuck him. I'm taking it. And I thought I was doing something to him. I thought I was, I'll show you guys. Because not only did he not mess with me, neither did the family. Mm. Because sometimes families try to protect the boys from the baby mamas. Right, right, right. And the babies. Whatever. He right. didn't have nothing, but they still try to protect the boy. You <laughs> right, know? right. And so when I got a, the opportunity and I actually purchased the house my dad grew up in and I sat in there and I was like, I don't know where I'm at. I don't know what this is. This don't even feel right. Who is these people? And I said, I got to find him. Only he can answer these questions. So you felt like some energy in the crib. I felt it was a, a uncomfortable, familiar energy. It was amnesia all around wow. me. A world that was familiar that you couldn't remember. My God. You know? Yes. That's what I felt. And, and I couldn't. And why did I buy this house for so much money? I can't live like this. Oh, wow. In this. Right, right. Only he can fix this. <laughs> and so I went looking for my father. Mm-hmm. And I had to get over these feelings of abandonment because what I had to know is my father can't fix it. I have to be, I have to be okay with him before I even meet him. Wow. Wow. Cause whatever I encounter. Right. I gotta be willing to deal with it. But if I don't go look, it's my fault, but I gotta make peace with it before I encounter it. See, most people, most people try that in reverse. And they're on the, they're, they're seeking closure in the relationship. You're setting yourself up for disappointment. Mm. <laughs> you set yourself up for disappointment. <laughs> Man, that's wisdom. It's a reason they wasn't around. That, why wouldn't you make peace with it before you right. see them? Cause you about to run into that reason. Man. At 80 miles an hour. Shh. <laughs> and what did you greet? What did you meet? What was that? What did, what did you discover on that journey of reconnecting with him? Well, number one, how do you find somebody that ain't been around in 30 years, 40 years? Uh, 
And what I realize is that there's a psychic connection. Uh, uh, there's a psychic connection between baby mama and baby daddy. Baby mama always know how to find them. <laughs> wow. They ain't had to see them in decades. And they know right where they at. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing I did was look at my mom and say, where he at? Wow. How did she take it that you were trying to find him? My, she said, my mama said, you really want to find your dad? I said, yeah. She said, damn, you've been doing so good. I didn't know you needed one. Wow. Think about that. And how that replays itself out in in the black community. Right. Oh, he doing good without him. Right. Look at him. You oh, was doing so good, man. son. Damn, I never knew you needed one. Wow. Shocker to me. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So so I said, no, no, I, but I, I need to find him, mom. Right. She said, all right, well, I know his brother lives in blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to hit his brother up. And then he had a friend that was always over here. She started, <laughs> started this, the psychic connection. Sheesh. You know what I'm saying? And and boom, boom, one thing led to another. Somebody called me and said, yeah, I know where Brian at. He uh, stay in the alley right in the back of my apartment building. My father been homeless for 30 years. He didn't run out on us. He fell in a hole. Sometimes we, wow. as children, we always blaming parents. We don't know their story. That's a fact. As children, we always thinking, and then what they did to me, and they, boy, you better stop being ungrateful. You don't know what they had to come through for you to even be where you are. Stop playing. Stop thinking Man. about yourself all the time. Are you okay? You eat? You you got that roof over your head? You blessed. Now, go help your parents. Man. You know? And so, so when I found my father, he wanted to meet with me in a library. Because as a homeless person, that was the only place where he had dignity. It was an office. Mm. The library is the last free university. It's the last uh, free office space. It's the last pe place people can go and feel like they have dignity when they have nothing. Right. You couldn't even you couldn't even get a law passed to build a library if it wasn't built today. My God. You know what I'm saying? Like. The, who, thank you. I think it was Benjamin Franklin. Thank you, Benjamin Franklin. My goodness. Or Thomas man. Jefferson, one of the other ones. Either one of those. Right, right, right. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. President. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> For having foresight. So, man. you know, my, my dad and I, we met in the library and my dad said, I knew you was coming. And he looked, he looked in his pocket and pulled out this article that said, Ryan Fest, brand new. He said, I was telling everybody my son was a famous rapper. Nobody believed me. Wow. He was following me the whole time. Oh my God. And I didn't know where he was or who he was, nothing. And, and, and then that's when I, I called my homie. I said, look, come, you got to film this. Me and my dad, like, I knew it was something special, you know? And then, my my homie called some of his homies in L.A. and they said, "No, we're gonna do a documentary and bring a film crew out. Like, we gotta tell them, don't meet them no more. <laughs> don't go meet this dude right. no more. Like we coming." And do you know, my career wasn't doing very well. Things weren't um, things weren't. I wasn't healthy at that time. I was dealing with diabetes. I was bloated. Didn't even know it. Um, Things weren't going well for me in my family, 
with my children. Nothing was going well. But when we started that journey of shooting that documentary of my father coming back to the house and us rebuilding our relationship as we rebuilt the house he grew up in, that's when things start coming together in my life. That, yo, you know, after that, after that, that documentary in my father's house went on Showtime for about three years. Emilio Estevez saw it and said, I'm doing a movie with Jeffrey Wright and Gabrielle Union and Michael K. Williams. I need that guy from that film in my film about homelessness. We did a movie called The Public. And Ryan Fest, I want you to do all the music. And then I start doing the music. And then Black Dog called me like, why we ain't never did a song together? And then wow. we did a song for the movie. And everything that I had ever been chasing that had been running from me start coming to me when I was healing myself. When you heal yourself, your dreams will come true. When you chase your dreams, you will tear yourself apart. My God. And that's what I start. That's what I start learning. Like, you know, and I think a lot of artists could learn from that. A lot of artists today, a lot of fathers today, a lot of, a lot of us could learn, stop chasing, start healing and your dreams will come true. And to heal, you know, it's not a it's not a solo dolo thing Mm-mm. for me to heal. It was I had to deal with my father. We had to deal with our issues as we built our house, as I was dealing with denying one of my children. Mm. But through me and my dad, seven generations back, seven generations forward, through me and my dad going through what we were going through, it was putting things in my mind. I can't treat her like that. He wow. treated me like that. Right, right. Oh, man, I didn't mess the whole, I didn't screw the pooch. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you ain't heard that in a while. So, like, <laughs> so like, you know what I'm saying? So then, yeah. you know, so then I start fixing my relationship with my children as I was fixing my relationship with my father. My goodness, man. Yeah, like, you know, healing. And then my life started getting better. My bloatedness, my body started healing. My career started coming into focus. Like, hey. That's, my God. That's how, that's how it works. That's amazing, man. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So talk about kingmaking as it pertains to fatherhood. Mm. This is going to sound, and I don't mean to be flip, I would never make my children kings and queens. Kings and queens need peasants and slaves. Kings and queens sit with their back to the wall because they're afraid. I've seen them. I've helped create some. I see how scared they are. I see how broken they are. I see how selfish they are. This whole thing about us being kings and queens, boy, you don't know what you're asking for. That's colonialism. Kings and queens, we a village, it's a circle. We a community. We got values. This ain't an empire. I know everybody think they want an empire. This is a value city, not a not an empire. And so with my children, what do I want to make them? I want to make them connected to God. Connected to and if you don't want to say God, maybe that's too dogmatic. Connected to a to an epic spirit that they can pull out and use in any time space i want to make them fourth dimensional creatures i want to mm. give them the information and toolkit to become the evolution of humans i want 
man, this is just my prayer. So when I say I want, I really should say I pray. Mm-hmm. Like I, I pray that, that my children can, I pray that my children can have perspective and that I can deliver them a perspective to whereas if you live in a autocracy, you know how to be. If you live in an authoritarian situation or a democracy or this or that, it ain't, you ain't tripping. Frederick Douglass said, you cannot make an educated man a slave. You cannot enslave an educated man. I, I pray that my children are endowed with wisdom. Kingship and queenship is finite and it's um mortal very mortal and so when i when you've heard me say i've made other men kings i've just helped them accomplish their desire i knew how to do that right but that ain't what i'm teaching my I, that's not what i'm teaching mm. my kids to be right that i'm part. teaching my kids how to do it Mm, right. <laughs> you yes. know what I'm saying? Like, yes. I want them to have a better power than me on how to do it. Right. Not how to be the thing. Man. That's bars, bro. I love that. I'm working on grace. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's so much to be said from that when we think about, you know, our culture. And I love that, that you said that. And I can't wait to clip that part out of the conversation and, and share it so that I can see what, what the, what the community has to say about it. Because when we greet one another <laughs> in the culture, we greet each other. What's up, King? What up, How King? are you, King? And, you know, oftentimes we look at it and we feel like it's, it's a, it's a humbling recognition of the person that you're talking to mm-hmm. or it's, you know, in some minds, it's it's hearkening back to the roots of, of us as royal Africans. But when you think of it, then the way that you broke it down, it definitely is a hierarchy almost. Yeah. And then when they say that to me, I just in my mind, it, it, it disturbs my mind. But I accept it because I don't want to, you know, man, can you imagine the maturity of the people Dr. King was trying to speak to. Right. The maturity of the people Malcolm X was trying to speak to, they didn't understand Mm -hmm. nothing. Right, right, right. And they probably had to just accept (laughs) a lot to give more. You know what I'm saying? And so I accept it, but what it does to me is it razzles me because I'm like, I'm not over you. Mm, Right, right, right. I'm not over you, bro. But I can't even tell you that right now. You, <laughs> right, right, you need not... me to be what you see me as mm. so that I can give you right. this compassion. See, right. And then you can feel as one with me. Because if I lower myself to you, you're going to think you shouldn't listen. Mm. Right. So right now we desire the thing we think of when we say king. But king ain't the word we looking for. The word we're looking for exists in our not so distant past, brother, sister. Assalamu alaikum. Peace right. be unto you. Yes. 
You know what I mean? Like yeah. words, words of village, words of um, commu- of collaboration, words of like um, of of beautiful exchange. You know, uh, in the Igbo tribe, uh, one of the things that, that the way you can tell someone you love them is to say, "I see you." Right. Right. Hey, what up, bro? I see you, man. Thank you. I see you too. Right. <laughs> when I got in this van and I looked at you, I saw you. Same. I saw you, bro. Absolutely. You know, when we speak, I see you. I see your, I see your, your, your shine, your glow. You know what I mean? And when I see your glow, I know you and me are of the same value system. And that goes deeper than your color. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for staying to the end. That means you really enjoyed this interview on the Rap Dad Show. If so, feel free to like, share, rate, all of those podcast things that help get the show out there, man. We wanted to spread this information. We wanted to share some of our favorite artists in ways we've never seen them before. And we want it to be a blessing to the Rap Dad's hip-hop community and let you all know that you're not alone on this beautiful journey of fatherhood. Make sure you lock in with us on social media, The Rap Dads Show, on all of those platforms, and definitely check out rapdads.com for fly merch, books, tour, events, all types of things that we have in the pipeline. Shout out to the Rap Dads out there. Thank you so much for all of the love that we've been getting all over the place we do this for you it's not about me it's about we we are rap dads always remember our mantra whatever's best for my child wins god bless you and your family peace